This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good to see you here. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor at Christian Chapel, and I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, You're joining us for week four of a message series that we've called Not Impressed, where we're talking about how it doesn't matter how awful we are or how awesome we might think we are. Jesus sees us. He sees our situation, and regardless of what he sees, he always moves towards us. And so this fall, we're just walking through some of the stories of Jesus in the Gospels and trying to learn um, what does it mean for Jesus to not be impressed by our situation, but for him to be compelled to enter in to our situation. And this morning, we're going to talk about what it means for Jesus to not be impressed by our temptation. Um, Now, I don't have to ask you to raise your hand to know if you were tempted last week uh, or if you think you will be tempted this week. Temptation is a universal human experience. No one is exempt. Um, And if you sit here this morning thinking, I have never been tempted, uh, it just means you are so deceived, you don't know that you have been. So either way, my hope today is that you receive some encouragement from the scriptures, you receive hope from the Holy Spirit, and you start to see how Jesus can take every temptation and turn it into an opportunity for you to experience his victory. Now, temptation, just at its most uh, basic definition, is any enticement to act, behave, or believe in a way that takes us off of God's path for our life. So so it could be a temptation to break the explicitly stated commands of Scripture. It could be a temptation to just divert our time and attention away from the things that God is calling us to give ourselves to. But temptation in all its form is kind of this, this enticement to believe the lie that in a certain situation, I know better than God does what is best for me. Right? And so what we're going to talk about today is how temptation is coming for us. It hits us really hard when we're weak, but Jesus has the ability to turn every temptation into a test and to enable us to pass those tests for his good, for his glory, and for our growth. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you'll be able to read along with me. It's the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. If you don't, it's going to be here on the screen, and you can follow along. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 11, so it's a little longer passage this morning. Matthew writes, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Now, there's a a couple things that I think are important for us to understand as we start to work through this passage. The first is this idea that temptation is coming, right? Now, I I wish there came a point in my walk with Jesus that I was no longer tempted by anything, by anyone, 
by any situation, right? Where, and, and there are segments of the church that will tell you you can achieve a level of perfection in life to where you will no longer be tempted. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think you find a lot of scriptural basis for that. So what we want to do is we want to pay attention to those first few words of this passage. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted. Right? So, so it kind of presents us with this idea we have to deal with right off the bat of God led Jesus into this space to have this experience. Now, now something that's it's important for us to understand is it was not God led Jesus to be tempted, but God was not the one doing the tempting, right? This is the enemy who comes to tempt him. James tells us later, if any of you are tempted, you should not say it is God who is tempting me because God cannot tempt you to sin. In fact, if you read through some other translations there, instead of the word tempted, they're going to use the word tested. And it's going to say the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. Now, tempted and tested both come from that same word, and it kind of depends on the the translator as to which one is presented to us, but really they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Temptation is the work of the enemy to distract you from God's purposes and plans for your life. Testing is what Jesus turns temptation into. He says, look, what the enemy intended for evil I'm going to use for good. And so I'm going to take his evil work in your life and I'm going to flip it on its head and I'm going to use it as an opportunity for you to experience my power and my presence. And so what this should do for you and I is it should settle our souls because there are times that our temptation feels unrelenting, the temptation feels irresistible, and it feels like it is never, ever going to end. But what we learn from Matthew chapter 4 is that Jesus experienced this because God wanted him to go through this test. And so you and I too can expect that temptation will be part, not because God is tempting us, but because we live in a fallen world. And God, through Jesus Christ, comes and he turns all of our temptations into tests. So we have to resist the lie that when I finally mature in my faith, I'm not going to be tempted anymore. In fact, Craig Craig Keener is a a New Testament scholar who writes about this passage, and he paints a picture for us of the deeper into a relationship and the more significant the responsibilities God puts in your life and in your hands, the more you should expect to be tested, which is not a terribly comforting thought at times, right? Because it's just like, well, if that's the case, then I'll just stay at rookie level, right? I'll just stay here. Uh, I don't need to advance. I don't need to move forward. Uh, But listen, listen to what Keener says here. He says, if God is calling you and empowering you to do something for him, you can expect to be tested. And you can expect testing commensurate with the seriousness of your call. Testing is for our good. When biblical heroes had matured through the time of testing, they knew the depth of God's grace that had sustained them. The truly triumphant boasts not in their success in the test, but in God's empowerment, without which they could not have overcome. What he's helping us understand here is if your faith can't be tested, then your faith can't be trusted. God is going to allow it to be tested, not so that you learn how strong you are, but so that you learn how strong he is. So that in every season you start to understand. Now, this this requires for some of us a complete shift in the way we think about testing. Because some of you as as a student, elementary, middle school, you had the same mindset I did. You thought your teachers designed tests 
to make you fail and show you how stupid you are. Right? And, and I, I had this picture. I mean, I never forget it. Honestly, probably through high school. About the time I stopped taking math classes, I stopped battling this temptation. I don't know what that means. But I just always had this picture of my, like my geometry teacher my freshman year. I just, I hated geometry. I don't think geometry liked me very much either. Uh, it was just kind of this mutual disdain. And, and before a test, I could just picture my teacher at his house just rubbing his hands together, like, man, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to show that kid. Chris is always trying to argue with me that he doesn't need geometry in his life. So I'm going to show him he might not need it, but he needs it for this class. And I'm going to give him problems that he has no help, hope of solving. And he's going to sit there, and in all of his idiocy, he is going to admit my supremacy. Like, this is how I thought my teacher's mind worked, uh, right? And, and so tests were a terrible thing, right? It was something that I, I feared. I didn't want to be a part of it. I knew it was going to reveal my shortcomings. Now, what I learned as I progressed as a student was that my teachers actually wanted me to do well on a test because my performance as a student reflected their ability as a teacher, And there's not a teacher in the room who would think, you know what I hope? I hope this week all of my students fail all of their tests, right? Like there's no joy in that. Now, as a student, we picture our teacher kind of smirking in the corner of their house, getting out that red pen and just with a flourish, checking all of them wrong. But but we know that's not the case. What Keener is telling us, what the scriptures teach us is that testing is part of our walk with the Lord. But when we are tested... It is to expose our weakness, but it is not to lead us into failure. It's to lead us into dependence on the Lord. And when we pass the test, it's not to stand in our own power, but it's to point back to the power of Christ at work in us, the power and presence of his Holy Spirit, to lead us through these seasons where temptation is turned into testing. The other thing we learn from Jesus' story in Matthew, Matthew chapter 4 is temptation is coming, and that means that temptation is not sin. Jesus was both sinless and tempted. And that's really important for us to understand because sometimes we will believe the lie of, well, if I keep being tempted to do this thing, God is already upset with me and done with me. And if I was really a Christian, if I was really a holy person, if I had really been transformed by the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't be tempted anymore. And and so Jesus' story stands as just kind of this continual rejection of that line of thinking. Of no, 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 Jesus was perfect, he was sinless, and he was tempted. And why should I, as a follower of Christ, expect anything less than that? So that means I don't have to give in to that lie. Of, well, if I'm tempted, I might as well go ahead and sin. That's, that's not it at all. Temptation is not sin. It becomes sin when we give in to the temptation. Right? And so we're, we're learning through Jesus' story. Temptation is coming. Temptation in itself is not sinful. And, and God is not going to set us up to fail. If the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted to be tested, then he had a plan and he had a way for Jesus to pass that test. And the same thing happens to you and I. When we are led into seasons of testing, when we are faced with temptation, it has not caught God off guard, but instead he sees us where we are, he knows exactly what we're going through, and he intends that we will successfully pass that test by the presence of his Holy Spirit in us. 
The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, no temptation will come to you except that which is common to us all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Right, making abundantly clear. Now, for Jesus, we're going to talk in a little bit about the way that he resists the temptation and the way out that God provides. But what I want us to understand is temptation is coming for you. It's not sinful to be tempted. And when you are tempted, God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. And he will always provide a way out of that temptation for you. Which means there is no such thing as irresistible temptation in our life. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how many times you've given into it before. It doesn't matter how many times it comes at you in the future. Every single time God sees it coming, he promises he can turn it into a test and that he will provide a way out of that temptation for you. Darkness is never inevitable. But the enemy comes and tells us that life. No one has ever been tempted like you. No one has the background that you have. It tells you that no one sitting in this room this morning could possibly understand what you're going through. And because of that, it's okay for you to embrace this sin. It's okay for you to walk down this path of darkness. But the, the example of Jesus in Matthew 4 and what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 is that is absolutely wrong. There is always a way out and God always has a plan for you to experience victory in temptation. As you keep reading through the story, you'll see that um, it also teaches us not just that temptation is coming, but also that temptation is strongest when we are weak. So it says Jesus has been led by the Spirit into the wilderness for this period of testing, and he has fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. And the first temptation the enemy comes to him with is turn these stones into bread. And, it, and so it, it kind of helps us be aware of this reality of, the enemy of your soul understands the situation of your life. And he is going to use your circumstances to try to manipulate you into giving in to temptation. Now, I don't know if you have ever fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I have not. I don't have any plans to, honestly. Like, it, it for real, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. God would have to just almost audibly speak that to me of Chris. 40 days, 40 nights. And even then, he would have to confirm it by multiple people to help me understand. And, and, and I, the same should be true for you. That is a, a, a dangerous ground to walk on. When I was growing up, I, I watched an older gentleman in my church that just decided out of the blue, I'm going to fast 40 days or 40 nights. And about 25 days in, he was in the hospital, right? Because it's physically, your body is not made to do that. But Jesus called by God into the wilderness fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we believe God was supernaturally sustaining him, and yet we also believe Jesus was experiencing the physical effects of not eating for 40 days or 40 nights. He would have lost weight just like you and I would lose weight. Right? He would have felt weak just like you and I would have felt weak. He would have dreamed about food just like you and I would dream about food. And so as he's coming out of this period of prayer and fasting, the first temptation of the enemy is with his most immediate physical need. Turn these stones into bread. And the enemy's going to do the same thing with you. It might not be a physical need, but he's going to look at your life. He's going to find where you're weak, and he is going to craft a temptation custom made for you and the situation you're in. 
I mean, you want to know why temptation is so hard to resist? Because your enemy prowls like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Do you ever watch those National, National Geographic shows? Right, when the lion is creeping up on the herd, who are they always targeting? The weak one, right? The young one, the one that's off by itself, the one that's isolated. The enemy of your soul does the same thing to you. He creeps around looking for your weaknesses, looking for the spaces where you are isolated, and that's where he's going to launch his attack because that's where you're the most vulnerable so he can be the most powerful. And so we have to live with this awareness of if I am being tempted just powerfully in a certain area of my life, it's an opportunity for me to stop and pay attention to say, okay, Jesus, what weakness is here? Right? So, so if, if your marriage is broken and weak, that's where the enemy is going to attack you. And that's where he's going to start planning those lies of, hey, you, you know what, this, this thing's not going well. You were too young when you got married. He doesn't really love you. She doesn't really care about you. You guys are, you're just staying together for the kids. So, so he's going to start sowing lies into your mind. He's going to start attacking you there, trying to separate your heart further and further. He's not going to start with the, you know what, you should have an affair. But he's going to start leading you down this path of deception. He's going to attack the weakness and say, hey, a, a little bit of pornography is fine because your marriage is terrible. It's, it's okay for you. Yeah, that, that friendship, maybe it is a little inappropriate, but your husband doesn't understand you. Your wife doesn't understand you, and you're not going to go any farther with it. And eventually you, you find yourself in that position of being unfaithful to your spouse. Why? Because the enemy tempted you where you were weak, and he found his way out. I mean, we've, we've seen this happen so many times. Somebody's in a, a desperate financial situation. And in that weakness, the enemy comes, and he begins to tempt, and he begins to attack, and begins to plant those seeds of this debt is a mountain you're never going to climb. And so you, you don't need to be responsible anymore. There's no point in trying to pay those bills. Just spend your money on you. Right? you, you have, there's no practical way for you to get out of this. So, so, yeah, use your paycheck. Go to the casino. See if you can pay it all off in a night. Yeah, you know, you, you are in a really tough spot, and, and nobody really understands, and life has been hard, so it's okay to go ahead and divert some of those funds from your company to yourself. It's okay to start to fudge the numbers on your sales. It's okay to start taking advantage of some clients. We don't just wake up one day and decide, I want to be a despicable person. I want to be someone that gets fired from my job. We, we kind of just slowly go down this path. Why? Because the enemy is constantly attacking us in our weakness. You don't just wake up one morning and find yourself in a, a position of addiction and destructive behaviors, but when your mind is weak, when your body is weak, the enemy attacks and begins to tell you, hey, it's okay, life is hard, you can medicate this way, you can cope this way, you can do it for a season, you're going to get out on the other side. Right, when in those seasons when just one or two things are going wrong, the enemy senses that weakness and he seizes it and he comes to you and begins to say, see, God doesn't care. He doesn't love you. He's not with you. Everything in your life. And suddenly this, this thing that was one problem, you feel like it's now everything is wrong in my life. And you're giving in to these lies that, well, if God is not caring for me, then I don't have to care about him. And the reason these settle so deep in our souls is because the enemy is cunning, he is crafty, and he comes to attack us at our weakest point. But Jesus models for us this idea that, that my circumstances never change God's character. What I'm going through doesn't change who he is. No matter how strong my temptations might be, his power is always stronger and is always available to me. 
And what we see from Jesus is that God comes and he brings victory in the face of every temptation, but he does it in two ways. He does it through the, the presence of the Spirit and through the truth of his word. Right? And this is what we see with Jesus. He is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He is called into this extended period of fasting and prayer by the Holy Spirit. He is communing with the Holy Spirit the entire time. And so when he's tempted, it is now the Spirit that rises up within him, brings to mind the words of the Scripture, and with that truth, defeats every lie of the enemy. Temptation attacks where you are weak, but in our weakness, the truth of God's Word and the presence of his Spirit is still all the strength that we need to experience victory. And so when you're, when you're in this position of temptation, one of the lies the enemy is going to tell you is Jesus can't help you because Jesus can't identify with you. Jesus didn't live in 2019. Jesus never had a smartphone. And Jesus never had this endless noise coming in. Jesus didn't live in the visual society that we lived in. Jesus didn't live with all the financial pressure that we have. Jesus didn't have the broken family. He didn't have the horrible background that we've come out of. And so the enemy's going to come and say, he's, he's so unlike you that he is no help to you right here. He's left you on your own. But Matthew 4 is a rejection of that idea. Jesus was tempted just as we are. And just in case we don't get it later, the writer of Hebrews says the same thing to us. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus isn't impressed by your temptation because he has been there, he has done that, he has overcome, and he has now promised to share his victory with you. And, and so we're, we're never going to believe that lie of Jesus doesn't know what I'm going through. Jesus has never experienced this. He might not have lived in your exact situation, but he dealt with the same core temptations. And he experienced victory in every single one through the presence of the Spirit and the truth of God's Word. And so we're not going to go through these temptations one by one. But if, you would do, if we did, what you would see is that each time the devil comes and he tempts Jesus. And the response Jesus gives him is one taken directly from the Scriptures. Jesus quotes the Bible back to the devil. And after the first round of that, the enemy, again, he's cunning and crafty, says, oh, that's the game we're playing? Okay. So the second temptation, the enemy comes and he quotes the scripture back to Jesus and says, well, this is what the Bible says, so this is what you should do. But, but Jesus, he understands, you know, that the scripture is not just about quoting it. It's about understanding the context. It's about understanding what Jesus is teaching us about. And so he responds basically telling the, the devil, you're bad at reading the Bible. Right, which is probably no surprise to us. Uh, but this is actually what that means. And, and so then the devil comes back one more time and, and appeals to him. And once again, Jesus rejects him with the truth of God's scripture. So what this means for us this morning is Jesus is not impressed by our temptation. He's not impressed by our weakness. But he is moving towards us to bring victory in the face of every test that our, that our faith encounters right here and right now. And he does that by making us people of the Spirit and people of the Word. And those two things cannot be separated. 
All right, so, so today, if you're in a spot where you think, I am facing unending temptation and unending difficulty, and I have no hope of escaping it, I would challenge you, spend time this week evaluating those two things. Am I a person of the Spirit, and am I a person of the Word? And they need to go together. You can't separate them. Right? If, you, if you're just going to say, well, I'm just a person of the Spirit, that's all I need. I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to be part of a community. I don't, I'll just be a person of the Spirit. Then you are just going to blow from one extreme to the other. And one moment you're going to feel like you're practically in heaven, and the next moment you're going to feel like you're living in hell. And it's just going to be this wild ride for you all through life. On the other side of that, if you're a person, you say, I don't, I don't need the Spirit because I've seen those people and they're weird. So I'm just going to be a person of the Word. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read it, I'm gonna memorize it, I'm gonna, what's gonna happen to you is when you face temptation, you're gonna become pretty self-righteous, you're gonna become pretty legalistic, and ultimately you're gonna become pretty beaten down because eventually you're going to realize there are temptations that come at me, there's an enemy who comes at me and he pushes past my intellect, he gets down into my emotions, he gets down into my history, he gets down into my background, and I might be able to quote the scriptures, but there's no life there. I just have this dry, dusty, intellectual approach to resisting temptation. And eventually, that falls by the wayside. And so we've got to be, just like Jesus in Matthew 4, we have to be people of the Spirit and people of the Word. And so what that means, just practically, it means I'm going to be a a Spirit and Scripture-centered believer. And I'm going to pray every day, Holy Spirit, will you lead me? Will you guide me? Will you remind me of of my identity? Will you help me to recognize temptation while it's still a long ways off and lead me on another path? And at the same time, I'm going to devote myself to reading the scriptures, to reading books about the scriptures, to listening to songs based in the scriptures, to entering into relationships where others affirm to me the truth and the value of the scriptures. And those two things are going to work hand in hand. When I am tempted, the Spirit is going to come and remind me of the truth that I have read. The challenge for some of us is we want to be people of the Spirit, but our experience of the Word is limited to about 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. If the only time you read the Scriptures is when we read them together on the screen on Sunday, you're not giving the Holy Spirit a whole lot of stuff to work with to resist temptation. The the Scriptures came to Jesus' mind because he had devoted his life to living by God's truth. Now, here's the thing. We all understand we are saturated with temptation. Day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, it comes in waves. And you're tempted in one way, and then you're tempted in another way, and you have these temptations at school or work, or these temptations at home. You have these temptations with you're with other people. You have these temptations when you're alone, and it just comes again and again and again and again. And if temptation is never ending, then our surrender to the Spirit and the Scriptures must be equally relentless. I'm just saying, Lord, I I have no hope without your power, without your presence. I can't defeat these lies without your truth. But here's what you see. As you continually surrender to the Spirit, as you continually immerse yourself in the Scriptures, your eyes begin to see through the lenses of God's truth. And those temptations that once used to get so close and be so powerful, you now recognize them while they're a distance away and don't have the same power, and you're able to divert yourself away from them. We must be people of the Spirit and the Word. 
And as we do, the Holy Spirit comes and he helps us recognize temptation. He helps us resist temptation. And he helps us defeat it by the power of God's word. But we have to be really intentional to internalize that truth. We have to be really intentional to continually surrender to the Holy Spirit. And then the the last thing we see in Jesus' story that should give us such great hope this morning is that temptation must leave. Right? There are three temptations. And then it's like Jesus has had enough. And he's just done. All right, Satan, I gave you once. I gave you twice. Now here's the third. And his third response begins with, away from me, Satan. You've got to go home. Right? It's, it's that statement you make when you have a group of people at your house. You probably don't because you're more polite than I am. But that idea of like, you don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. And you start flipping lights off, right? And you start vacuuming in the middle of their conversations of just like, I don't know, boy, it sure is dark outside. I bet, you know, this is what Jesus is doing to the devil. He's like, hey, so, so we're done, and you've got to go. And you've got to go now. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, he comes to us later and, and tells us in James 4, he says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. There is no scriptural precedent For a follower of Christ, living by the power of the Spirit, experiencing the same unrelenting temptation over and over and over again every day for all of their life. You just don't find it. Now, when the devil leaves, he might try to come back. In fact, he will. You're going to be tempted again, but you don't have to be tempted in the same way over and over and over again. And and what I've recognized in my life, many of you have probably recognized in your life, is that if I ever find myself in a season of, God, this temptation will just not go away, if I'm really honest, it's because I kind of enjoy the temptation. It's because I'm enjoying the flirtation of living right on that, that line of do I give in or do I not? And well, it hasn't quite become sin yet, so it might not be too bad. And and, and you're kind of praying those half-hearted, Lord, take it away. But Jesus, he reaches the point where he's just done. He is hungry, he is tired, and he is ready to get back in town, to have a good meal, to reintegrate with his friends, and he just tells the devil, away from me, Satan. And it says the devil leaves. And here's, here's the good news for us this morning, is that when Jesus turns our temptations into tests, He brings his victory, and his victory always involves the departure of your enemy. It always involves relief. It always involves a sense of Jesus has won here, and now I'm going to walk the path of victory. I'm not going to stay stuck in the darkness. so, So for some of us this morning, we are so tired of facing the same temptations. We're tired of giving in to those sins. We're tired of failing the test. The message of Jesus this morning to you is, I am here in the middle of it, and with the word, the enemy leaves. Now, when he leaves, you've got to keep walking that path Jesus lays out for you. You've got to continue to be a person of the spirit and a person of the word, because he's going to come back again. But I just, I hope you understand this morning, your temptation is not unique. You're not facing anything that anyone hasn't faced before. You're not getting attacked in a way that no one has been attacked before. Your temptation is not unique. God is not looking down and saying, I've never seen that one before. I don't know what to do. The the second thing I want you to know is your temptation is not irresistible. God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to endure. 
but he is faithful. And even now this morning, he is providing a way out. And the way out he often provides is one of acknowledging the temptation, one of confessing it, and one of asking other people to help hold us accountable and walk in the victory that Jesus is calling us to. It's not irresistible. And the last thing I hope you understand is it's not permanent. Jesus did not come, suffer, die, and rise again so that we would live this kind of defeated Christian life, just scraping by, barely making it from one season to the next. But he comes to share his victory with us. If if you're a 45-year-old man still battling the exact same temptations you did when you were 15 years old, that has not been God's plan for your life. And if, if you have years and decades of just being stuck in the middle of this, that is not where God wants you to be. He wants to come in his power. He wants to come in his grace. And he wants to show you it's not unique. It's not irresistible. It's not permanent. There is victory here. And he wants to speak those words into your life this morning. Satan, go home. You have no residence here. You have no power here. Your presence is not welcome here. In any space where Jesus comes, the enemy always flees. Because he knows he's defeated. He knows he has no power in that place. So if you'll stand with me, I want to pray prayers of victory, prayers of triumph, prayers of the power and presence of God over your life this morning. Jesus, we come to you. You see the spaces where we're tempted. You see our frustration. You see our aggravation, Lord. You see those who feel that there is no way out. They, They believe the lie that this will be their path for the rest of their life. And so Jesus, today, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and to reveal that you have made a way forward. You have delivered us out of this evil. You have a purpose and you have a plan. So Lord, we surrender to you. I pray in just a few moments, you would give us courage to respond. Lord, for those that you're speaking clearly to, if this is the space that you're tempted, these are the actions that you need to take. Lord, when they have an opportunity to go to the prayer room, give them courage to follow and to respond, to confess and to believe that you are here and you are present. You're bringing freedom from that temptation. Jesus, we remember and we acknowledge that where you are present, the enemy flees. So will you come this morning? Remind us that you have made a way and you're inviting us to walk in. In Jesus' name. As the band leads us, if you'd like someone to join with you in personal prayers about the temptations, the battles that you're facing, if you'll head out the back doors and to your left, some of our volunteers will be waiting to pray with you in the prayer room. The rest of us, we're going to sing this new song they introduced to us earlier that just talks about God's ability to make a way in every situation.
this morning to respond to what the Lord's doing in your heart. Still time to go to the prayer room or grab someone's hand next to you or come forward. We're going to continue to sing for a couple of minutes so we can continue to just respond. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. that's our prayer this morning, that we would, in every situation, see the way that you are providing. We thank you that nothing ever catches you off guard, nothing ever catches you by surprise, but you always see us, you always lead us, you always guide us. So we surrender to that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.